Off the ball, rugby. My God, this is the most magnificent game of rugby. I just didn't enjoy it for the 80 minutes that was there. Definitely one of the great World Cup games. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. Off the ball, breakfast. Ireland's sports breakfast show. Time to turn back to the football opening weekend of the Women's Super League. Kathleen's back with us in studio. Delighted to say we're joined on the line by Jesse Parker Humphreys, football writer. Morning, Jesse. Morning, how are you guys doing? Great, thanks a million for jumping on. It feels like, uh, obviously, full round of games on Sunday. It feels like the league uh, needs something else, uh, somebody else, maybe, to get there. Um, I saw your mini-league table of the four heavyweights uh, last season on theanalyst.com last night. It doesn't make for pretty reading for the contenders. No, definitely Chelsea's dominance, I think, in this league is starting to wear thin at this point. You know, I think the WSL wants to pride itself on being a very competitive league, but there have been different champions in Germany or in France more recently than we've we've had in England. Um, but someone's going to have to step up, I think, from Arsenal, United or City if, if they're going to overhaul Chelsea. Because to be honest, I think, if anything, they've just got stronger this summer. Yeah. Who are the most likely from that pack? I mean, I think Arsenal probably will feel like they've maybe got the most pressure on them. They obviously were knocked out of the the Champions League in that first round of qualifying a couple of weeks ago. So they've got nothing else really to focus on other than the league. And Jonas Eidevall's in his third season at the club now. You know, he can't really say they're not his players or he's not had time with them. So I think they're the team who who could step up. But potentially City are maybe going under people's radars. I know lots of people feel Gareth Taylor maybe isn't the level of manager that, that they should have in terms of being able to really win those big matches but um, definitely in terms of their attacking threat I still think they're they're one of the best teams in the WSL if they can score more goals this season um, I think they could be a real problem for a lot of teams just ask a couple of questions in relation to Chelsea particularly and the recruitment side of things because like even though they obviously have been there over the last few years there is almost a little bit of the unknown about them Harder and Eriksson gone they've recruited um, Nuskin has come in from Frankfurt um, so just first question about that sort of unknown aspect given the nature of the comings and goings and also whatever happened to the Katie McCablings has that just disappeared? Uh, yeah so firstly on the just on the Chelsea outgoings definitely I think you know Magdalena Eriksson club captain obviously moving on I think is a big shift in sort of leadership terms um, potentially more than footballing terms but I think Chelsea pride themselves on having a lot of leaders within the team you saw in this international break alone I think four different players what Chelsea players were captaining their countries and Sam Kerr obviously who, who would have been Australian captain wasn't they weren't even playing games um, and I think the incomings have sort of made that pill a bit easier to swallow because Chelsea have really looked to address problem positions that they've had for the past couple of seasons. So Ashley Lawrence come in at fullback. Um, we can touch on that maybe with the, the Katie McCabe stuff um, and Shuka Nuskin obviously at defensive midfield to two parts of the pitch where Chelsea have really, really struggled actually in recent years. Uh, the Penilla Harder replacement um, will be Kat Macario, who's obviously still come back from an ACL, who's pretty much, if you had to say, can you get me a player who's like Penilla Harder, but almost 10 years younger, that's exactly who you want. So it's been very smart recruitment from Chelsea. I think they've, they're obviously targets they've had for a long time. Um, in terms of the McCabe links, I mean, the interest was obviously there, right? We had this massive bid go in for her in, in January, right at the end of that window. And as I said, Lawrence, I think, is a player who was also on their radar, someone who can play fullback too. Um, I think she's predominantly played right back, but I do think she'll play left back, obviously, 
for the same reason, kind of reason they targeted McCabe. And it sounds like Arsenal are going to um, get McCabe to sign this new deal. So it seems like they've fended off that interest from Chelsea and I think from, from some other clubs as well. Kathleen, this must be an incredibly exciting uh, season if you're a Chelsea fan, when you look at what's happened during the summer and uh, the, I won't say emergence of Lauren James, because I'm sure they're all well aware at this stage. But, you know, we were talking last night, like best in the world talent potentially. And also Sam Kerr, who obviously finished the season well, but like Australia and the weight of expectation must have been on our mind in the latter half of, of last season as well, that even those two players being at a different level might bring them to a different level. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's interesting the way Chelsea are going into this season because they've recruited really well, as always, as you were saying, like Lauren James had that breakout moment in the World Cup where we saw her perform on the big stage and maybe a way she hasn't in the Champions League or we expected her to in the Champions League. Now, there was the incident which did kind of derail her World Cup a little bit for a while, but I think she'll have learned a lot from that and she definitely seems like the sort of player who would. And also going in under Emma Hayes again, I feel like she's exactly the sort of manager who will be able to help guide her through it. I think it's really interesting from a Chelsea side, the way they're going into the season in terms of Emma Hayes, because obviously at the start of last season, she had to have that emergency hysterectomy like straight after the first game. You know, she talked about being in Prenton Park and saying to Matt Beard, the Liverpool manager, you know, I don't think I can do this match. And he had like got a private room on the ground and got her a bed and sat her down. And she went uh, to a doctor and they were like, if you keep going like this, you're going to have a heart attack in the next couple of years. And she took that time away. But then she's going into this season and she very sadly like lost her dad in the last week or so. So once again, she's going into a season on like really, really difficult terms. And we've seen Chelsea have been able to carry that weight a lot of the time because they have so many leaders on the pitch. But Jesse, I don't know how you feel like following Chelsea so closely is the because they have brought in so many new players is there a settled enough squad there do you think that they will be able to carry things through again because I know how much the players care about Emma Hayes and they'll want to make the start of the season as easy as possible for her yeah definitely I mean I think I do think the squad will will feel quite settled still Um, and I think to Chelsea's advantage is how many different players they had to use last year because obviously there were sort of long-term injuries for Harder. Okay, obviously she's moved on, but for Kirby as well, for Millie Bright too, um, players who missed really big chunks of the season. So in that time, other players sort of were forced to to step up. Um, you know, you're thinking about Marami Elder and the role she sort of played towards the, the end of that Champions League run. And I think that actually leaves the squad in a really good place where you know, all of the players within it, I think, will feel really valued. Okay, yeah, they're going to go in competition for places this season again with everyone sort of fit. But lots of players had an opportunity to play lots of minutes last year. I think the one thing that will be interesting is obviously we did see Tanya Oxtoby leave Chelsea where she was one of the assistant managers and Hayes has always had a lot of assistant managers around her so I think Oxby was basically one of three um, and Paul Green as well who's who's the general manager has previously worked in coaching so you've sort of got four you know really seriously talented managers around her but with Oxby going to take that Northern Ireland job it'll be interesting to see you know maybe who fulfills her role because a lot was made when she joined Chelsea of um that you know she has a real background in sort of sports psychology and and the impact that that was going to have and it almost sounded like she'd been brought into the club from that more human perspective so that feels like a bit of an off pitch loss which i think we're going to have to wait and see how that might play out at the club in terms of Manchester City, I genuinely cannot believe we are going into another season with Gareth Taylor as manager there like it 
baffles me when you look at how they have performed and the quality of the squad that they have had and the just the investment that's in the club in general there that they've stuck by his side so much. And when you look at the incomings and outgoings for all the other top clubs over this transfer window, you know, everyone has kind of built in different areas where it feels like City are just stagnant again. And I know like they started really badly last year and then they kind of came back up again. Like, are they kind of just shooting themselves in the foot by sticking by him so much? Yeah, I do think the decision to give him sort of this extra year was a very bizarre one. You know, they gave him this added year contract at the end of last season, obviously a season which was their worst finish since their first professional year as a football team when they finished fifth in their first season in the WSL. And he sort of like gets this extra contract. But, you know, the fact that it's only a year long, I think tells you everything you need to know. I mean, I feel like obviously there was kind of some sympathy towards his start last season. He had to replace so many players, five starters leaving obviously before last season, a whole midfield to rebuild. And I think broadly that job like went quite well as the season went on. And as I say, I do think, you know, in terms of if you look at attacking metrics um, in terms of like sort of number of shots, expected goals created, you know, City were the, the dominant team. They were the best team. They just did not finish at a level that Chelsea did, for example. Now, I don't know if that's a luck thing. I don't know if that's a coaching thing. That's something I guess we're going to find out this season. I, I think it's it's not up for debate, really, that in the biggest games, Taylor does seem to struggle. I don't think he's got a plan B a lot of the time. And I think that's where they they drop points. But I, I do think on the transfers aspect, there's a sense of, OK, last season we had this massive overhaul. They've not had anyone leave other than Hayley Russo going to Real Madrid this season. Um, and obviously Jess Park's come back from that Everton loan. They brought in Jill Raw. They spent a lot of money on Jill Raw. Um, I can see why they wanted to keep the squad settled after that overhaul. And I think when you look in an attacking sense, at least, you know, Lauren Hemp, Chloe Kelly, Bunny Shaw, that front three picks itself already. They've strengthened the midfield with Jill Rod. I think defensively is the only place I would have liked to see them pick up maybe one or two extra players. Um, but I do feel like if they continue on the trajectory they were on last season, they could be a bit of a surprise package because I wonder if... <laughs> Taylor's almost become a like WSL sleeper agent whereby because people don't really take him seriously that maybe they're going a little bit under the radar because they do still have all of that talent Off the ball Breakfast Ireland's sports breakfast show Appropriate, Appropriately timed breaking news Arsenal have confirmed that Katie McCabe has signed her new contract. They've released a very Arsenal-like video. And she I'm glad says, we didn't speculate about her future She says, about she says I love you Gooners I love you Gooners I'm here to stay so, Katie McCabe. You've got McCabe. Katie McCabe. <laughs> I have to do it if I'm on air. I mean, it's the perfect time. There's a lot of singing this morning. There's a lot, a lot of, of singing. singing. Adrian Barry. A lot of it, not very good. Adrian's going to sing us out. Yeah. Jesse does love a bit of karaoke from what I've heard oh. as well, so <laughs> might wow, have to get you on true. some Chelsea chants. What, what's your song, Jesse? Uh, Torn by Natalie and Brulia. Oh, yeah. Love it. Nice. Get the crowd going. This wasn't a doubt, really, was it? It was my... Uh, um, off, off colour uh, speculation earlier on was you very kindly shot it, uh, shot it down, Jesse, but it wasn't really a doubt. No, I think obviously, you know, it sounds like I think the Chelsea interest was genuine, and I do think there was like kind of no smoke without fire. I feel like McCabe obviously wanted to explore her options and and felt like that that was something that could be interesting. Beakley, we often see players when they're looking to negotiate contracts, as has been happening for her over sort of the past six months. Um, 
try and drum up some interest from elsewhere to make the club realise how how much they want them to stay. Um, I think McCabe's got a really important role to play within this Arsenal team. You know, they've still got all those ACLs, uh, injuries, where, which players are coming back from. And, and you know, she's she's had to be a real leader within, within that team. And Jonas has used her all over the pitch, basically, at, at this point. So, yeah, I think, you know, Arsenal have done really well with their contract renewals this summer. Um, McCabe was sort of that outstanding, lingering one. Um, and to get that sort of signed, sealed and delivered puts them in a great position, obviously, ahead of the season starting on Sunday. Very crude question. Uh, what sort of salaries are these top players getting in the WSL these days? I think in terms of the top players, you're definitely looking at sort of in the... 300,000 to 500,000 range for like the very, very top players. So thinking of like Kerr, Miedemar, um, players like that. Um, I know Steph Horton at, at City, obviously uh, their captain was for a long time on on a lot of money. I don't know if she still is because obviously her sort of playing time's reduced over the years. Um, in terms of like further down, I I don't really know how, how big the drop-off is as it were, like I, I'm not really sure if it's just sort of the stars are on this massive money and then everyone else isn't. I, certainly if you go further down the league, mm. players you know, there are like quite horrific stories about what counts as a sort of professional mm. salary in this league um, especially if you're a young player at a struggling club, but um, yeah I'd be, I'd suspect Katie McCabe's on six figures, that'd be my guess I think even with the big wages, the last I read is that the average across the league is still as small as like 20 or 30 grand because as Jesse said, those smaller teams or the ones that don't have the sort of investment do have their players on such terrible wages yeah, I think that that's something that obviously is like a big problem in terms of when the WSL's sort of claiming this professional moniker and, you know, okay, if you've got an 18-year-old but they're basically on, on 16K a year for a team towards the bottom of the table, I mean, you're basically getting into sort of less than minimum wage, especially when you think about, you know, the the extensive hours in terms of, you know, not only training but travel and things like that. And I think obviously a lot of the problem as well that, that players find is um, it, it's also the the resources that you've then got within the club, you know, gym space, food, all of that kind of stuff, um, I think can obviously be quite lacking. But I think hopefully, you know, it's been kind of the benefit of more Premier League clubs getting involved that they've it's been easier for them to have and open up the resources that they do have for their men's teams um, and and raise that level for their women's sides. Football writer with counter-pressed and more. Jesse, thanks a million. Uh, Jesse Parker Humphries, thanks a million for jumping on. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Quarter past nine, uh, still going Europe's way in the golf. Could be a little bit better, but uh, still going Europe's way. Kathleen, thanks a million for jumping in. Thank you very Big much, news. guys. You will yeah, you walking see on me. air now through the day. You won't see me for the rest of the day. I'm just off to pop <laughs> some champagne. Off the ball, breakfast. Ireland's Sports Breakfast Show.